Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Fit Body Happy Joints. My name's Shannon. I'm so glad you're here listening. Today, I want to talk about how you can tell if your workouts are productive and going to produce results or if you're potentially wasting energy in your workouts. So there's a norm in the fitness industry that people feel like they have to be basically near death after their workouts to feel like they've done enough in order to be satisfied, in order to feel like they're going to see results. I talk about this all the time. I feel like a bit of a broken record, but I do want to kind of frame it in a different way today. If you enjoy to push your body hard and you understand the consequences and you still want to do it, carry on. But I do want to educate people who maybe don't necessarily understand the consequences and are exercising this way because they feel like they have to in order to see results. My clients are proof that you do not have to grind your body into the ground in order to see results. In fact, I just had a client say this in our private Facebook group a couple days ago. She said, I've been doing Evlo, which is my fitness platform for three months. And she said, I've worked out for a decade doing a really popular fitness class that's popular all around the world. And she said, I've never seen results like I've seen with Evlo. I definitely feel much more defined. I've gained five pounds of muscle and my clothes fit better. So I get those testimonials like every single week and clients are proving it left and right. And my workouts are not, you don't feel completely depleted afterwards. You don't feel like you have to like crawl back home. They are very intentional. And I think it's because I think people are seeing better results because we are applying what I'm going to teach you in this podcast today. We've been led to believe from honestly consumerism and marketing that we need to be near death in order to see results from our workouts. But remember that much of this philosophy comes from advertising, trying to sell you on a product or service, not from science. There is no regulation in the fitness industry. It's kind of scary. No one is monitoring what people are recommending and teaching. Unfortunately, people will trust the advice of someone who looks how they want to look, but it doesn't necessarily mean that this person has the correct information. And listen, I don't blame anyone. I think people in the fitness industry tend to be altruistic and want to help, but I think the education is very far behind from what it should be at this point. That's why I'm looking to first educate myself on a very deep level, far beyond what I was taught in my basic fitness certifications and even in physical therapy school, and then digest it and pass it along to you all. So I came up with this concept of evaluating exercises on a productive or just hard basis. And I'll go over qualities of each of these, but we want our workouts to be the most bang for your buck, right? We want our time and energy to be well spent. We want to know that the work we're doing in our actual workouts is moving us towards a goal and not just arbitrarily burning energy without much payoff. We want our workouts to be productive and produce results rather than just being hard and not really moving the needle for us. The quality of your workout is the sum of all of the exercises inside. And I know that sounds so basic, but I think that people just kind of think about the before and after, right? They think about the after when they're like dripping sweat and they're exhausted, but they're not thinking about what's inside an actual workout. Each exercise should be meticulously chosen because it will produce the best results with the least amount of risk. So a productive workout will yield the following results. It will increase muscle definition and size which increases your metabolism, leading to a leaner body. It will result in healthier joints, or at the very least, less risk to straining or permanently damaging your joints. It will improve your cardiovascular health. It will improve bone density. It will improve sleep, mood, blood pressure, overall quality of life. And I think that people ultimately want to see these results, which is why they start working out in the first place. However, 
the fitness industry has led people to believe that a quote-unquote hard workout means that it was a quote-unquote good workout that will produce the desirable results. And honestly, that's just often not the case. Additionally, I think that the science behind HIT, which is high-intensity interval training, was very appealing to people. And I agree that there seems to be com- some convincing evidence that high-intensity exercise has beneficial outcomes. However, I think the industry has misapplied that evidence to, you know, all exercise needs to be fast and powerful and sweaty and calorie burning and hard and intense. We've taken that intense word and kind of taken it to the next extreme. Rather than looking at the details of what's inside a workout and how each exercise actually affects your body and your joints. My opinion is that you can get high intensity exercise without the joint damage by choosing exercises that are intense but also productive. This will lead to better, more sustainable results than choosing exercises that are intense but not really creating much change in your muscles and also probably wearing down your joints or straining your body in the process. So let's get into productive versus just hard. I'll start by explaining what a productive exercise looks like. Productive exercises have a few key qualities. Number one, they stimulate type 2 muscle fibers. I talked about this in the podcast last week, but just to summarize, your type 2 muscle fibers are the fibers that are stimulated when there is a significant amount of force. So when you need to lift something heavy, your brain will recruit the type 2 fibers inside of your muscles to finish the movement. Conversely, your type 1 muscle fibers are your endurance fibers that are used for posturing, walking, jogging, many bar or Pilates exercises, or really any activity that is more prolonged and requires more endurance. Your type 2 muscle fibers fatigue within about 90 seconds or less, where your type 1 fibers can go 90 seconds and beyond up to like a really long time, like an hour. So stimulating your type two fibers in your workouts is what will move the needle for your results. The type two fibers are much larger and make up most of the size of your muscle. So if you're only doing endurance activities, you probably won't see much muscle growth. So stimulating your type two muscle fibers by choosing an appropriate exercise with an appropriate weight that will probably fatigue you after around 90 seconds is best for productivity. So number one, principle number one for choosing a productive exercise is to choose an exercise that will stimulate those type two muscle fibers as much as possible. Number two is choose an exercise that has little risk to surrounding structures. This one seems obvious, but it is so misunderstood. And I think that there's an emphasis on form over exercise selection in the industry. There is such an emphasis on no exercise is bad, no exercise is better than the other. And I I do think that physics would disagree with that. You could have the best form, but physics and gravity doesn't care. For example, I think that people don't know that an overhead press isn't really optimal for the deltoids, which is the shoulder muscle that most people are trying to target. And it also strains a small rotator cuff called your infraspinatus, which is the backside of your shoulder. So if you are kind of feeling tender or painful in the backside of your shoulder, this could be why. It could be because you're doing too many overhead presses. But they also don't know that overhead presses often lead to impingement of the shoulder joint. So choosing an overhead press is actually less optimal for stimulating the deltoids and puts you at a greater risk of injuring your shoulder over time. This is why I prefer a side-lying lateral raise. You're laying on your side, you have your arm next to you, and you're kind of lifting your hand or your wrist right above your shoulder and then dropping it back down. It's less impingement on the shoulder, it more accurately targets the deltoids from a mechanical standpoint, and it doesn't strain the infraspinatus. 
but there are so many exercises that risk surrounding structures and some are worse than others. But it is important to choose exercises that have the least amount of risk to your joints with the most amount of reward to your muscles. And listen, I don't say that because I think that you should be afraid of any given movement, but I do think it's important to be intentional about how we are putting force through our joints and through our muscles in order to keep our structures preserved and our muscles strong. All right, so principle number one is to choose an exercise that stimulates type two muscle fibers. Principle number two of a productive exercise is to choose an exercise that has little risk to surrounding structures. And then principle number three is to match what's called the resistance curve to the strength profile of a targeted muscle. You're probably like, what the hell does that mean? (laughs) Let's get into it. So every muscle tends to be stronger when it's lengthened and weaker when it's shortened. This is called the strength profile of the muscle. And I'm going to simplify this a lot because I think eventually I'm going to do a whole podcast about this. But for example, your glutes are stronger when your hip is flexed, which means your knee is like towards your chest and your glute is weaker when your hip is extended. So when the hip is like fully straight. Okay, so this is going to get a little technical, but I'll give you examples, hopefully, so this all seals in by the end. But because you have this strength profile, which means that muscles are generally stronger when they're lengthened and generally weaker when they're shortened, you want what's called the resistance curve of an exercise to feel the most challenging when the muscle is longer and feel easier as the muscle shortens. This is the most optimal, productive, and safe way to strengthen a muscle you experience a resistance curve each time you lift a weight. For example, in a bicep curl, the weight feels the hardest in the middle and gets easier as you approach the top, which if you think about it, you're like, wait, that doesn't make sense because I'm holding the same weight. So why is it harder when I'm halfway through the range of motion and easier as I get to the top? And this has to do with what's called the moment arm. So There is a resistance curve to every exercise or where in the range of motion there is the most magnification or the longest moment arm and where in the range of motion there is the least magnification or the shortest moment arm. It's important to know a resistance curve of an exercise so you know how and when the muscle is loaded. And if you're in my membership, you don't have to worry about any of this. This is all taken care of for you with the programming. When a strength profile and the resistance curve of an exercise match, this is called early phase loading. Early phase loading is the safest, most productive way to load a muscle. If you choose early phase loaded exercises more often, this will lead to the best results as far as muscle development. And remember, more muscle leads to a faster metabolism, which leads to a leaner body. And you'll have the least amount of risk or compensation or rupture to a muscle or strain or injury to your body. A less productive and often more dangerous way to strengthen a muscle is in the opposite way, which is called late phase loading. The exercise feels the hardest when the muscle is shorter and feels the easiest when the muscle is longer. So not an optimal way to strengthen a muscle. An example of an exercise that's late phase loaded is a tricep kickback. At the beginning of the movement, when the tricep is longer, there's hardly any resistance. So if you've done this where you're kind of bending over, you have your elbow at your side and you're straightening and bending your elbow, you can feel when you begin the movement, it's like almost nothing. And then towards the end, when the tricep is shortened, there's a ton of resistance. This exercise feels hard at the, especially at the end, right? Because the muscle is the weakest when the load is the highest. 
but it's a great example of how hard doesn't mean productive since it's late phase loaded, right? And late phase loaded exercises are not optimal for muscle development and they're at greater risk of compensating and injuring something in your body. So just to summarize, three of the main principles that make up a productive exercise are number one, it stimulates type two muscle fibers, which are more likely to increase the size and mass of your muscle. Remember more muscle equals faster metabolism. Women do not be afraid to build muscle. It is key for results. Number two is to choose an exercise that has little risk to surrounding structures, that it basically is the least risk to injuring you. And then number three is to choose an exercise where the resistance curve matches the strength profile of a targeted muscle. Remember, you want to choose exercises that are early phase loaded for the most part. So here are kind of four examples of productive exercises that follow these three principles. Number one is a step up. With a step up, they're excellent for the glutes and you don't really have to use weight because your body weight is often enough since there's what's called a long moment arm. So there's a lot of magnification to the glute because you don't have to use a lot of weight. There's little compression through the spine. So it's one of those exercises that's high yield for the glutes and low risk to the spine. Number two is a bicep curl. Again, a bicep curl feels the hardest when it's in the middle of the range of motion and gets easier towards the top when the muscle is shortened. It's one of those kind of middle early phase loaded exercises. A skull crusher for the triceps. So you're on your back, your arms are up and you're bending through your elbows. And then number four is a reverse Nordic curl. I call these a matrix move in my classes. It's when you're kneeling, your hips are straight and you're kind of leaning back. It looks like you're defying gravity, but those are excellent for the quads. So as I already alluded to, exercises can feel hard get your heart rate up and sweat dripping, but not necessarily produce desirable results. I'll start with a few examples of exercises that I evaluated as hard, but not necessarily productive. So you can kind of think of them and imagine them as we go along. So burpees, overhead presses, mountain climbers, and lateral raises are kind of four exercises that come to mind, but there's a lot more than this. So just hard exercises have a few key qualities. Number one, they're fatiguing and calorie burning. These exercises generally involve multiple joints, which requires high energy from your body. This means that you will burn calories and probably break a sweat. This is the primary benefit of a hard exercise, right? Burning calories is, of course, never a bad thing. But you will see as I begin to describe this a little deeper that they aren't as productive as other exercises, therefore maybe not worth your time to do as frequently as the more productive exercises. So the second quality of just hard exercises but not necessarily productive is that they don't necessarily target any muscle effectively or they target a muscle but it's late phase loaded. So many of these exercises like a burpee or a mountain climber aren't necessarily targeting a singular muscle group very well. There are many muscle groups working in coordination, but no one muscle group is specifically loaded well enough to receive much benefit. In other words, the work is spread across your whole body and each muscle group gets so-so stimulation, but not enough to create measurable change and adaptation in the tissue. If the exercise is late phase loaded, like a standing lateral raise or tricep kickback, It may feel quote unquote hard, but that's only because the resistance is highest when the muscle is the weakest. Harder won't always result in better outcomes. (laughs) This is, I don't know why this example came to my mind, probably because I just bought some rollerblades uh, because we're moving to LA in like a month and I plan to rollerblade all the time, but it's like trying to clean your house while you're on rollerblades. Yes, it's harder, 
but it's probably going to take me a lot longer to clean my house. I'll probably fall and hurt myself and I probably won't do it as well as if I just didn't wear the rollerblades. Quality number three of an exercise that is just hard but not necessarily productive is that it risks surrounding structures. If you string together a bunch of these like just hard exercises, you will be gassed by the end of a session, which according to the fitness industry is the desired result. But I always say it's so much less about what you're burning and so much more about what you're building. If you focus too much on what you're burning, you may not be creating desirable and sustainable changes in your body because you're just burning off what you ate or what you're going to eat. You're not actually focused on building muscle and creating a body that is a calorie burning machine and protecting your joints in the process. If you break down each exercise in a just hard type of workout, you will find that you have often burned energy and calories, but you probably didn't create much lasting change in your body. Often these types of workouts will burn people out and cause frustration from lack of results and eventually cause injury. Cardiovascular exercises are not a bad thing. Don't hear me incorrectly. I'm, I am not poo-pooing cardio. Burning calories is not a bad thing. But when it gets bad is when these exercises are unnecessarily risking your body and potentially causing irreparable damage. The heart and lungs don't care which exercises you choose for cardio. You can burn calories and improve your cardiac health just as well from like smashing it on the bike as you could from doing 100 burpees. The difference is the bike will probably have less damage to your spine than the 100 burpees and you could potentially be getting the same cardiac benefit. I think many people do these quote-unquote hard exercises because they think they're good for them and they honestly just haven't been told otherwise. And again, it's no one's fault. There just aren't enough people in the industry educating in this way and it's my goal to help now that I kind of have been exposed to all of these concepts. I would argue that just hard type of exercises are overall not good for you because you're honestly just trading one problem for another. You're trading an improvement in your cardio and burning some calories for potentially long-term damage in your joints, which will prevent you from doing the activities that you love later in your life. For some, this is a risk worth taking because they love the type of workout that they do. And if that's you, carry on. And some people may never get injured. But I know when I learned this, I decided that my long-term joint health was more important than the short-term benefits. So without fully understanding the biomechanics, how do you know if your workout is productive or if it's just hard and just kind of burning energy? I encourage my clients to look at their fitness watches less, worry less about how systemically fatigued they are, and focus more on which exercises they are choosing in their workouts. Choose exercises that stimulate your type 2 muscle fibers. They're slow and controlled. They have little risk to surrounding structures like your rotator cuff, spinal discs, knee meniscus, etc., and are early phase loaded, which means they feel the hardest when the muscle is longer and feel easier as the muscle gets shorter. I know this is an advanced topic and it takes, honestly, some understanding of anatomy. If you are a fitness professional listening, you should know the anatomy. You should know what position your hamstring is longer and when it's shorter. Same with your deltoids and pecs and lats and every other muscle that you're targeting in your workout. And if you don't, that's okay, but I would encourage you to take a pause from leading people and go educate yourself because I think you'll be really, really happy that you did and your clients will be happy that you did as well. And if you're not a fitness professional, you just want to apply this into your workouts, I'd love to have you in Evlo. Evlo is my fitness platform. It's all online. It's virtual fitness classes. I get messages each week about people who are working out for less time than they ever have and seeing better results than they ever have. It is so fun. We really focus on more muscle definition, leaner bodies, and happier joints. It's the goal of the entire structured program. I teach 
live classes Monday through Friday. They're all live, but they all stay recorded. So if you can't make them live, you can take them at any time. There's like over 300 classes on the platform, I think at this point, it's crazy. So basically you just show up for classes and watch your body evolve. So it's evlofitness.com, E-V-L-O fitness.com. We'd love to see you there. And thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye.